Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello, Matt here again along with Scott. Scott, how great was it to have Rugby League back on our screens to watch, even if our own club was pretty disappointing? Well, I was going to say it was great until Sunday 6.30. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the greatest performance. But um, because we haven't had the luxury to talk about what's happened, what's happened on the field for a long time, let's get straight into that. The Bulldogs went down to the Manly Seagulls, 32 points to six, in a loss that hurts because, well, we all hate Manly, and that sucks, but mainly because at no point did we look likely to score points and do anything other than being whipping boys for most of the game. It was a pretty pathetic performance considering how long fans had to wait to see their team play. That simply wasn't good enough. I think the club would join us in our disappointment of that game. Yeah, it was very disappointing just because of how how long it was too between games. And there was some... The first round looked good, but it's now the worst start since 1996. And that is a long time. That's a lifetime ago since a poor start to the season. As says Bulldogs fans, we're... It's almost we expect success, for, and that's what our club is. It's a successful club, and it's just really disappointing to be 0-3 to start the season. That's right. The attack was too predictable, and at times way too side-to-side in our strength, which is our defence, was lacking on our own trial line. Mm, I must say, I don't, I don't know if we're good at going to like an in-depth review of the players and talk about who's really disappointed and who, like who actually played well. If you can get a man in the match, but there's a few players you put question marks over and some really good players as well, who was questionable on the weekend. Okay, now we did have a few standout performances, Scott. I'd like to highlight the performance of Aidan Tolman, who at the start of the week was unsure he was even going to play uh, due to a hip injury. He was a late inclusion in the 20 jersey. Now, he went on to put in a 72-minute performance. He took 16 hit-ups, which is the most of any player on our team. He ran for 138 metres, the second most of anyone on our team, and made 53 tackles. Again, the most on any, from anyone on our side. Uh, he only made one missed tackle. And for that alone, I'm giving him my full-on bell of the match. Uh, Tolls, oh. do you expect anything else from him? <laughs> well, given, given the injury cloud going in, um, to be the best player on the field for our side, that's, that's an incredible effort. It's amazing. The effort he puts in, it was really summed up by, I think, last year, Andrew Ryan in his 250th NRL game. When, I believe it was against the Panthers, he was the king of milestones last year. They just kept adding up. And, um, and Andrew Ryan just said, if you look at a player who puts his, pretty much his backside on the line every week in, week out, you don't look no further than Adam Tolman, who leaves everything on the field. And he did that again. And uh, unfortunately, he comes on the losing side this week, but he could hold his head high. Absolutely. I've got three more players to highlight, Scotty. So should we jump into that and then talk about any players that you want to talk about? Yep, yep. I like that idea. All righty. Speaking about a player that fits the same description you just gave about tolls, I've got Josh Jackson. Uh, His stats weren't as impressive this week. He only had seven runs, 59 metres, 42 tackles. But he seemed to be popping up everywhere with his never-give-up attitude, which is great to see. Yeah, good, good old skipper. We love him still. So I say, Sue, uh, first game since doing his ACL. Is that correct, Scotty, ACL? Yeah, first game in top grade, yes. The ACL injury, well, he injured last year against Newcastle. 
He played for 50 minutes, 11 hit-ups, 124 metres, 29 tackles. I thought he did well as well. And Jake Avarillo showed some promise off the bench again in just his second game of his career, scoring our early try. Bit of excitement machine he is when uh, given some space and some time. Needs to work on his defence overall before give, uh, before being given an opportunity to start, however. I, I wouldn't mind him actually being given a shot at being a long-term 5'8". Jake, he just he's an exciting machine. He's got speed to burn. Um, I'm pretty sure the try he scored was a miskick by Lachlan Lewis. And I think he just picked <laughs> the scraps up and just went with it because it, it, it almost was a better kick for Lachlan himself. Well, that's, think, that's, what I, that's what I think he was doing. I think Lachlan was kicking for himself and Avrilo come through like a seagull on a chip and uh, scores a try. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a fantastic young kid. But like you said, he had a few missed tackles at centre. I'm not too sure what his best position is. So, well, he, he said play, five, uh, He could play 5-8 centre and wing. That's what he played in the long range. So. Yeah, but he's, Actually, he's a kid with promise. He actually played more in the halves. He did set up a try against the Cows, Cowboys as well. Yes, that kick for Christian Crichton, if I remember correctly. Right. All right. Any any player you would like to highlight that I haven't already? I'm going to highlight a couple of, I was going to suppose, controversial ones, just based on effort and effort. I want to highlight Dean Britt, who played a whopping 74 minutes on the weekend and his first time in the starting side. He only made 73 run metres. He made a tackle break and he made 32 tackles in the weekend. And the only thing I'm highlighting him about is he's the only one in the... Sorry, sorry, rephrase that. He was one of the forwards that looked dangerous with his arm hanging out. Yes, he made a few errors. And those sometimes when you have a forward who is predominantly a good offloader, which we all know Dean Britt is a great offloader on his day, I would be encouraging him to play like that next week with his arm out. He made a few mistakes, but he... You could see like where the mistakes were coming from. Some of them were from frustration when he passed off the ground, but he was trying to make something happen, and he took things yeah. into his own hands. So I liked his attitude towards it. You think he was uh, feeling that Corey Harawira and Naira role? Yeah, and I think when he was coming towards the end of the game, he did that one where he fell to the ground and passed the ball off the ground. And I felt... I, we saw the offload. If he had offloaded back in the inside... I think it was Dallin in the inside who was coming through and he missed the opportunity to pass it because he got hit. But the frustration, you can just see the frustration because I think I would have done the same thing. And I th- would like to highlight... Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think you take a hit up in first grade. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> down the park. I'm talking down the park. Um, I want to highlight Ra- Raymond Fatale at Mariner. He was mistaken by Brenton Speed as was mistaken with Renolf Tumamunga. But he played... Uh, 31 minutes on the weekend and he got through 97 run metres in such yeah, short like, game time. Yeah, I was just going to say that he's probably that prop that uh, I've spoken about previously that we need an impact off the bench. He could uh, take that role well. And just finally, I'm going to give Christian Crichton's uh, attack a wrap because he's the only back who got... He was the highest run metres in the back at 123 run metres for a winger. He... Almost doubled Nick Meany's run, Meany, run meters and Remus Smith. And he was over 30 meters more than Will Hopawadi. There you go. Um, we spoke about in the, in the off-season a little bit of doing a Player of the Year award, Scotty. 
Mm. Uh, I've actually been thinking about the last couple of weeks, and I was supposed to talk to you before we hit record, but let's do it live. Um, first of all, have you got a man of the match and a second best player from the weekend? Yes, I'm just all right, mine. Yep, we'll, we'll, we've gone through some some uh, stats and, and whatever, but before we get onto it, this is my idea. Daily M's do a 3-2-1. Mm-hmm. So um, let's do a 3-2-1 with a twist. So yep. two judges every single game of the year. So we'll have to go back, I think, and both of us when we've got some time, maybe not next week, but before the season's out, rewatch round one, rewatch round two, and then come together with our scores. But this is what I'm thinking. You give your man of a match each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that player gets two points. You give your second best player of the match each week. That player gets one point. I mm-hmm. do the same. So I give my best player two points and my second best player one point as well. Those points stand where the sole judges. However, if a player appears on both lists one week, he gets an extra point. Whether he's second or first on either list, it brings the potential up to three points a week. Interesting. What do you think of that? I I do like it. I mean, most of our best conversations happen unplanned, if you have realised. <laughs> so, so three, two, three, two, one with a twist. We'll keep a tally throughout the year, and we might update it as well uh, on the recordings as we go. I like but, that. Yeah. All right, well then... For this week, my two points would go to Aiden Tolman and my one point to Josh Jackson. My two points will go to Aiden Tolman. Yep. So, what a great start to Aiden to this little concept we're doing. And my one point will go to Sawaso Sue. Okay. So, Aiden Tolman goes to three points and uh, Sawaso uh, Sue and Josh Jackson are one. Now, um, what we need to decide is if we pick. The same two players, do both of them get an extra point or the highest ranking? I reckon the highest ranking. I have to agree. Okay, there we go. It's sorted here, live on the NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. <laughs> we just need Steve Allen for that one. Uh, <laughs> as we do that. Uh, we know Steve Allen, that's for sure. Well, by the way, if you haven't listened to the Steve Allen episode, it is becoming one of the most listened to episodes of this podcast, so make sure you Go back through the back catalogue, have a listen to that one. Well, Scotty, we spoke about Manly. How about we turn our attention to this week's match? We play the final game of the round once more on Queen's birthday against the winless, like us, Sir George Illawarra Dragons. Are you uh, promoting the game by any chance? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, I don't have many seats to sell. (laughs) <laughs> Nor does the NRL. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what are you expecting first? <laughs> oh, I don't know if this is because one of the most hardest games to tip, because it's a flip of a coin, because both teams have been as disappointing as each other. But if you have to go by recent form, by last game, you start to worry, because the Dragons actually completed at a decent rate, and they yeah, look more be- likely to score. We scored six points, they got zero. So. Yeah, but they looked likely twice to score, so and so we got very lucky. Maybe it's one try in the game in the last five minutes to the Bulldogs. Jake, you know? really, uh, 
<laughs> okay, our one fruit of 17 is the same as last week, except four and is in for Cogger, who is out of the 21 completely. Our four reserves are Ogden, Holland, Katoa, and Wakeham. Uh, possibly the most interesting thing out of this game is whether or not the losing coach keeps his job or not. Or possibly will either coach last in their role for the next four to six weeks. It's the drums are beating loud at Bulldogs. You can see that happening already. But it feels like Paul McGregor has been spending seven years at the Dragons where he's gonna lose his job, but he just seems a way to survive. So I don't know <laughs> if that means he's got another two more years left in him. I don't know what that means for Paul <laughs> McGregor. But the drums are beating they were beating loud last year, but it was quickly handled and signed. But this time, it look it sounds much worse for Dean Pay. The reports seem much worse for him. Well, look, if if we can't secure a win against the Dragons, I fear for the future of Dean Pay. Uh, he's had slow starts in his first two years as coach. I was looking at it earlier today. I think it was three wins out of the first ten games in both years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a slow. Uh, sorry, if we lose this match this year, it'll be zero from four. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and both previous seasons we've done okay in the second half of the season, but that doesn't really matter if we're already out of finals contention before well, we start playing well. So, yeah, like, it's concerning. I'm going to say this right now. Is our season already over? No. You're going to say no? But I'm just saying the 0-4 tells you you can't win a grand final. But that's <laughs> at a normal – no, I'm just saying that's at a normal season of 25 rounds. We're playing in a yeah. shorter season now. So 0-3, does that become the new 0-4 where our season just put a line through it now? Or will Monday be dual die? I know mathematically there's a chance, but if we we have to smash the Dragons for me to start to believe that we'll be good enough to make the finals because we've got the Roosters the week after, I believe. Well, <laughs> but, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between uh, making winning the grand final and making the finals. But I think the goal for us was just to make the finals this year. Yeah, uh, but if so, we go zero and four in a shortened season, though, you know what I mean? Like, does that mean yeah, that's too much to count? Definitely be difficult. Don't know if it'll be too much. We'll see the boys string together games, so hopefully they can start a bit earlier this year. And all of a sudden, see, because it works the other way too. A couple of wins means a lot more than it does in a normal season because the season's shorter. Mm, that's true. I was thinking more so, negative. You're thinking positive. <laughs> So there you go. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I think we've got the Roosters the week after, so we could be 9-5 and 9-5 and and in a 20-round competition. That's a quarter of the way through the regular season. Okay. What do you make of the 17 anyway? Uh, I'd like to, I would have liked to see some changes, actually. Uh, more changes than what for and in for Koga. And what's your changes? That while we're here, we're going to have our say, like everyone else has? Well, <laughs> Rebus Smith's got to play a wing for mine. He's got the body shape of a modern day winger. I don't know why he wants to play the centres so badly. Um, does he just don't want to do the extra work running out of the, the danger? I don't know. But um, I think he's got to play in the wing. Uh, I think Nick Meany's got to go, unfortunately, because of the new rule changes and the way the game's heading. Um, I think Nick Meany's fullback or nowhere. Um, You've also got a question marks over Dallin, a stat that I was going to bring up a bit later. Dallin Watelli Zelesniak is a favourite of the podcast, but he leads the entire competition with handling errors this Ooh, year. Didn't know that yeah, for a fullback. So questions are going to start to be asked there. Lachlan Lewis, I don't think it's going to be an NRL quality half uh, going forward. Uh, he just doesn't show enough. Um, you know, you can almost put 
my thinking was maybe put Avarillo in at 5H with Kieran Foran. So you've got the controlling half that runs the ship with Foran. You've got the excitement machine in Avarillo. And then Avarillo can spend a year learning how to play like a half in the NRL with one of the most experienced and better halves throughout their career in Foran. Um, whatever you think of his late injury in the back half of his career, is one of the best halves we've ever seen out of New Zealand. So that's the way I was thinking. Uh, I feel like we, this is not really fixable in a couple of days, but I feel like we really need uh, experience, impact, money to power type forward as well. I mean, he did play well the other night, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we saw what we, we saw what we missed out on when we got rid of him. Fair few changes. What I would have done is, I think I would have. I was thinking, I don't know if we can change too much about fullback. I just because I don't think we have any left. Well, you could probably throw immediate fullback, I suppose. But I was thinking. I've seen Dallin played so well last year, and we know how well he can play. He's just having a poor start to the season, and I think he's going to. I, I think he will get better. But I was thinking we'll run with a Remus and Christian Crichton wings. You got the athletic, uh, sorry, Remus Smith, and you got the Christian Crichton. And I think he gets very underrated in the sense that he just hits the ball hard. He runs back. He he puts his hand up when the forwards are tired. I don't see any more wingers than Christian Crichton putting his hand up to take a run. He's always there. He likes the contact for a little fella. I also think maybe a, a Morgan Harper and a Kieran Holland centre base. Holland, that would be controversial. And the reason I'm going Holland because I reckon he'd be itching to go out there. I mean, he's always been talented. There's been some defensive errors. But Will Hopper Whitey's game at 150 last week. Yep. My goodness gracious, didn't he leave Christian Crichton high and dry? There were so many times he left the line and poor Christian Crichton was trying to tackle three people. And I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, Christian Crichton, go back to reserve grade. And I'm thinking it's more the centre, not communicating with his winger that he's jamming in. But when you jam in, and Hazel Majri told me this at the fan day once, make sure you hit your man. If you don't hit your man, that's on you. And that's about, four, like about three or four times he did that and left Christian Crichton one on three. And no matter how good you are, <laughs> only 1% of the time you're going to hit one on three and you're going to stop him. So... Yes, there was a lot of tries coming out there, but I feel like Christian Crichton was left with no other choice. Yeah. So I've got to defend Christian Crichton with his defence. A lot of people are getting a lot of hate, so I'm on Team Critter. <laughs> I would have loved to see Jack Cogger and Kieran Foran in the halves. I don't know why we named Jack Cogger last week and he didn't barely kick the ball. He wasn't allowed to touch the ball by the looks of it. He made less well, mistakes. Sorry, I was just going to say I was pretty disappointed with Cogger last week. I... I wish I could be disappointed in him. I feel like he wasn't allowed to do anything to be disappointed in. He made 30 tackles and four missed tackles. And people say, well, Lachlan Lewis's defense, he played 26 with five missed tackles. I know it's a bit similar numbers, but I felt like Cogger wasn't allowed to kick the ball. He only had two kicks. Lewis uh, came under attack for his defense by the commentary for the first time in his career. Mm. We've been saying it on here a few times that his defense is good one-on-one when he sticks. It puts the player on their back, but he has some issues in the defensive line. And as pointed out by the commentary team, he's a legs tackler. So if he hits and sticks, uh, but doesn't put the player on his back straight away, offloads are plenty. Offloads and tries if it's close enough to the line. But I felt like Cogger wasn't allowed to do anything last week. He wasn't allowed to kick. 
He wasn't allowed to attack too much. He only had a few passes. He was very quiet because I felt like they played all the way to Lachlan Lewis, kick every time, kick every time. Um, if we got two halves, why is one doing 100% of the kicking? I know one's going to dominate, but Cogger is a dominating half as it is, and he wasn't allowed to be himself. And then he gets dropped from the 21-man squad completely. Like, how is he meant to be feeling? Like, I'm really actually feeling for Jake Cogger. Like, it's confusing, isn't it? That Wakens on the reserve list with Cogger in the starting team and then Florence on the starting team and Wakens on the reserve list and no Cogger at all. Unless if he's picked up an injury yes. after that game, that he couldn't... He was disappointing because he wasn't allowed to do anything. And I think that was the, the plan. Like, he never got the ball to kick. He only passed the ball, really. And there was times where he was standing on one side screaming for the ball and Lewis gets the ball. So when he tried to do something, Lewis overruled him. So he never allowed him to do anything. And I don't know if that was like, Lewis is the main half. That's fine. But It's going to come back on the the hooker there as well, though. Yeah, but it just tells me that I just feel like there was a coach's plan that if Lewis calls, Lewis gets. And it's fine. But how is Cogger meant to prove himself in top grade if he's not getting at least a... At least to put in a decent a chance to put a kick in or anything. That's yeah. what's really frustrating me for him. That's what I feel for Cogs. So I'd have anything, him in the halves. Anything Stanley at hooker. Or at least <laughs> on the bench. But then saying that, I like Avilio on the bench too. So that's a bit of a tough one. <laughs> so as we mentioned, reversing the winless Dragons, as you, you said earlier, as well as us. Um, but they made a few changes to their team. Changing the spine up, having Corey Norman shifting from five eight to fullback, and yeah, I had Ben Hunt shifting from halfback to five eight. Thank you, and uh, a, a debutant in Adam Clune make his top grade debut. Have you he seen much of Adam? <laughs> Sorry, Adam broke his nose yesterday. Did he? First training run after being told he's making his NRL debut. Paul Vaughan breaks his nose. Apparently, he will be right to play, but uh, oh, what an unfortunate situation. Talk about high tackles that game. Dean Payer, your halfback can't run without a nose. <laughs> oh, what were you going to ask me much about Clune? I've seen a uh, very small amount of him. Uh, he was part of that uh, reserve grade Dragons team that was really entertaining to watch. Dufty uh, was in and out of there. They had Tristan Saylor, Clune. Uh, there's a few live wires down there. Um, that might, might do the Dragons well going forward. It's interesting, though. Uh, apparently, the Dragons reserve grade team beat the Dragons at training before the, the Warriors game. So. And that, but they did have Jack DeBellin at 5'8". <laughs> <laughs> was he allowed to play, was he? Oh, okay. oh in that little trial oh. thing, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> club trial. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, look, is this going to help? The Dragons' performance—I don't know. Um, like, I don't know. Looking back on the round that just passed, I thought no one could be less inspiring than us. But the Dragons came pretty close. Um, I think the Dragons would still have to be favourites going into the game. I've tipped us there, <laughs> um, but um, bounce back factor, right? The Dragons' squad has better talent than our squad does at the moment, and you'd expect them to be able to bounce back after a pretty rough and controversial week. I'll tell you something. This Adam Clune, I've watched him a while with previous work I've done watching the reserves and studying it for him. This Adam Clune, how he was not playing top grade two years ago, 
is beyond me. This guy can play. Like I know it's reserve grade, but like how he was not given an opportunity to debut earlier is boggling. Yes, it's a different kettle of fish. People we've seen Lachlan Lewis play very well in reserve grade, and then come up to the next next level and not really get there, and still trying to figure it out. Adam Clune, he should have been playing years ago, like a couple of years ago. He should have got to given a his debut cap. It's fantastic. I'm glad they left Ben. Hunt as a personal view. I'm glad that I've been Hunt there. Like I'm looking at well, the Dragons' better view. Maybe because he's got a good running game. He's simply <laughs> if it might just tell him run first, kick second. Yeah, you could still do that at halfback. Um, I, I don't know. I, the, I feel like you either have Hunt in your team or you don't. Changing it from seven to six is not going to do much. I don't think. I don't think I was really bizarre to see if the Dragons is. I thought they would have given the axe to Corey Norman. The way he plays is. Quite fascinatingly poor. Yeah, he's <laughs> playing I, a position he doesn't want to play in. Yeah, so my <laughs> plan would be with Kieran Foran with the kicks. I would like Kieran Foran to kick most of the time, but I've got a feeling like Lachlan Lewis would do a lot of the long field kicking and Foran would look after the attacking stuff. Is that we need to get it high and we need to get it at the fullback, not the wingers, just at the fullback. Because it, it looks like Corey Norman looks like he's not interested in the Dragons from going by his pre this season already and like. The game against the Warriors, he didn't even look like he wanted to help Ben Hunt. That, that could actually work if we get Dallin one-on-one with Corey, especially if Dallin works on his catching this week. Uh, <laughs> might be able to get a few tries for there. All righty, Scotty, have we got a tip? I think, unfortunately, I think this Adam Clune will be just enough for the Dragons. I think there'll be enough of a change, to be honest. Like, And they'll have two proper halves and we'll have one. <laughs> I'm going to go the opposite. Kieran Foran's enough for the Dogs to win by eight points. Well, 200 games, so hopefully. <laughs> for, so congratulations <laughs> to Foz, how, how have we not mentioned that earlier? Congratulations, Save, Kieran Foran, 200 NRL games. Save the best for last. That's what I was doing. It's <laughs> <laughs> one way. All right. Scotty, it's time for a new segment. We've got a new one. <laughs> stop dropping it on me on, oh, on recording we day. Well... It was only when I was preparing for this episode, I thought, why not? Because last week I gave a stat that the Bulldogs won seven of nine games at Central Coast Stadium before the Mela game. And, and I thought, why, well. not, why not turn it into a segment? So, stat of the week. Interesting. Sounds like an entertaining <laughs> little stat of the week. <laughs> With Maddie. If, if anyone out there has got a good voice and wants to record that for us, <laughs> Steve I'm Allen. Also- Looking at you, Steve. Um, <laughs> start of the week. Um, well, actually, I've actually uh, stuffed up the first start of the week because I said it earlier in the episode. It's Dallin Watelli Zelezniak leads the entire competition in hailing errors. That uh, was a bit of an anticlimactic stat. I was expecting something more inspirational, something like, you know, last few wins against the Dragons or every time we versus them at a new venue that we've never played at, we beat them or something. But you go with a very negative start, which kind of makes me feel a bit worse about the game coming up. <laughs> See, I knew, I knew you'd going to say something like this because I was actually trying to look for a positive stat, but once I come across this, I thought that was the most interesting stat. So that's the way I went. But because I knew you weren't going to be too pleased with that as stat of the week, I've come up with one more stat of the week this week. What do you think of uh, head-to-head stats? I do like head-to-head. Okay. <laughs> See what you, if you like this one or not. Against St. George, Illawarra, 
and St George Illawarra combined, we have played 214 games. We have won 102 of those games, lost 104 of those games with eight draws. Well, it doesn't swing in our favour. It's pretty much 50-50. But... <laughs> pretty much 50-50. Uh, we have a winning record against uh, Illawarra and St George Illawarra, uh, but we finished with a losing record against the St George Dragons. So even though that one's not purely positive in our favour, it's a bit 50-50, I thought that was a pretty interesting one as well. That's a better stat. I do like that one better. <laughs> what do you think of head-to-head? Should we do head-to-head every week? Yes. All right, there you go. A <laughs> couple of things being confirmed live on the podcast tonight. All righty. Awesome. It's time for the Lark segment, Scotty's favourite time of the week, Old Dog. And this week we've done it a little bit differently. And like you've been setting me up on the show for the whole night, <laughs> I'm going to set you up this time. So you've got to guess who this old dog is. And i give you a tip. If you get it wrong, you're not allowed to come back and Steve Allen replaces you. That's how they. I figure I'd be happy to step aside, aside for Steve Allen. Anyway, anyway, and then we'll bring then we'll bring Andrew back as well. It'll be Steve and Andrew instead of Matt and Scott. Yeah, I'll be gone too. <laughs> okay, so this player debuted for the Bulldogs in 1999. Have you got a hint? <laughs> if you, it's Sherwood, is it? Let's say. <laughs> Let's listen to more than when we get there. Play. Played 191 games for the club. Yeah, it's quite sharp. There you go. This is why I should be disappointed. You know that I love... I, I got it off the debut year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Man crush much. But you know I love my linking with certain clubs, you know. Last year, I was if someone did an amazing moment against an opposition club, yeah. I would put it on. Or if someone played for an opposition club and played for us and did really well for us, I'd link it up. Brent Sean did not play for the Dragons or anything. But the he, reason... he almost did. He almost did. Oh, there almost you go. Back the Super League stint to play for the Sir George Illawarra Dragons. That's right. He did too. But the reason... I'm, I'm, glad, him... I'm glad that didn't happen, by the way. <laughs> See, that there was a coincidence. That actually worked out well that I bring in Brent Sherwin into this week because I didn't actually think of that part. I do remember that now that you say so. I'm bringing him in because if we had a halfback like him, now he debuts, say, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later than his current debut and he's still at the Bulldogs now, would be making the finals every year. I think that's what we're missing. So I brought in a halfback that we could really use and our thought, why not go back to our last premiership winning halfback and just taking a little dive into his career? And I thought that would cheer you up as well to finish off the show. <laughs> All right, let's do it. You, you continue with some stats. Yeah. So he played the one game at fullback for the Bulldogs. He played 26 games at 5'8", and then he played 136 at halfback and one on the bench. Sorry, no, sorry 136 at fullback. Sorry, 136 at He played three games for City in yeah. his career. He won two of them when he was starting halfback. The one he lost, he was on an interchange bench, but he kicked a field goal and the one he lost. So there we go. Uh, he he went on to uh, he went on to Super League after that. He playing fifty two games for Castle Tigers for five tries, and then he finished off his Super League career at Catalans for fourteen games as a mid season swap in two thousand and ten. Uh, at his time at the Bulldogs, 
he did kick 11 from 14 goals, ending up with a 78.57 record, just shy of 80%. But we all know if Hazem Almadri wasn't around, it could have been different different stats there for Brent Sherwin. Much more goals. He was a really good goal kicker. Uh, but the thing that we're, miss, we're, we're desperately, desperately missing, and this is why he's my old dog this week, is just his pure kicking game. It's something think- that we need. I think while um, people like you, yourself and me, remember his kicking game very well, I think the majority of the fan base actually forgets about it. So if, you, if you've got some time or whatever, look up some highlights or go back to some of the old games where he was in the early 2000s and really watch his kicking game, it even surprised me a little bit. Um, I think Fox played during the COVID situation, the uh, suspended season, a replay of... Um, I think it was the 04 Grand Final. I think that was the yes. game they showed. And um, no, it wasn't that game. It was a finals match against the Roosters. It wasn't the 04 Grand Final. But his kicking game was um, incredible. Even I was sitting there going, wow, it's 10% better than I thought. Uh, everyone knows that I'm the biggest Brent Sherwin fan there is. Um, so I won't talk too much. But uh, I remember his time at Castleford. He went over there and. Um, First year over there, first game that was on TV, uh, so it was shown in Australia. Uh, he won the game with a field goal. Yeah, amazing! There you go. That's a good memory. Yeah. Oh, well, he was getting a lot of a lot of criticism over there. I think he might have. And I'd hate to put put a negative word in his in his mouth, but um, by the sounds of things, he might have went over there not to win a competition. Uh, he mm. might have went over there just uh, to experience a different culture. Um, he was getting a lot of criticism for his on-field performances, but that game, he, uh, it was Castleford. It was back when Castleford were like a, a ninth, tenth sort of place team, and they defeated, uh, I think it was St. Helens, who were winning championships mm. regularly. So um, he stepped up in that game on the big stage, the TV cameras controlled the whole thing, and then iced it at the end with a field goal. I just remember the, the, some of the magic moments I remember was the chip and chase he did at 04 against the Parramatta Eels. Chipped it, chased it, regathered the ball, and passed it to Sonny Bill Williams. And I always remember the commentary of that, was that the little shifty, uh, the little general halfback just goes, I'll just put a chip in, I'll just regather the ball, then I'll pass it to you because you're faster. <laughs> so the ability that he's chip chased, he had a long kicking game, he kicked plenty of 40-20s, he kicks field goals, like you mentioned earlier, he had the all-round kicking game. He had his little mate Hazem Almajri on the on the right wing, where they combined with plenty of crossfield kicks and grubbers in behind the line. And not just that, just generally passing to him. You look at the 0-4 grand final when he links across to his good old mate Hazem to score the try, finishes off. I'm actually surprised we haven't done a brunch on old dog yet. But um, one thing that's a bit obscure is here's the last player I remember seeing take the twenty meter optional restart kick. Yes. And kicked it into touch, yes. That's right, because for those that don't know, off a 20-minute tap, if you kick the ball uh, punt style from the 20 and it bounces in the field of play and goes out, it's your team's loose-handed feed from a scrum. And he's the last player I can remember doing that mm. in, in uh, any type of consistent way. I'm sure there might be one or two in desperate situations, but he did it almost randomly if half... 30 minutes to go up by six, you just take a shot. <laughs> mm, and just to everyone off guard. One of my favourite things I remember him actually doing in that game you are talking about on Foxtel a few weeks ago in the yeah. COVID, he chipped and chased once and he, he miskicked it. And it went straight to the fullback. It went to 
Millichello at the time. They went to Millichello, yes. And they tackled. And it was it a good attacking play. And Brent Sherwin, he put a kick in and you could see him frustrated with himself. Later that uh, game, he chip and chases and regathers the ball and goes for a run. And I go, wow. Like, for someone to chip and chase it and stuff it up in the first go, then he comes back and does it again. He backs himself. He backed himself. He stuffed up once, but he, he didn't does it again. I don't know there's many halves who could stuff up a kick and then fix it back, like, and redo the same kick again, especially a chip and chase, and, do, yeah. and then nail it. That was, like, amazing. For me, that's confidence in yourself. You can, he really knew how to play against the fullback. I think you can look up, uh, I think it's on YouTube, Brent Sherwin kills Billy Slater or slays Billy Slater or something like that. He burned him, yes. Watch his kicking game in that game against Melbourne. Uh, but I remember, I was early on in his career too because I think it was like 2000, 2001, he was doing these, not bombs, but not chips, in between a bomb and a chip uh, and regathering the ball in a game that we actually lost. But uh was the only thing that was actually kept us in it. It's these in-between bomb chip kicks that we were regathering and putting some pressure on the opposition. I still think he could have been a quality hooker as well if he had the chance to be a hooker when he played uh, off the bench as hooker as well. Not saying yeah, that it was... A bit little in the shoulders for the tackling that would have been required. But in saying that, I do remember this one play, and I want to bring it up because it was against the Raiders. It was 2006. It was ANZ Stadium. And the Bulldogs win this one. I can't tell you the score, but I can tell you who it was against. And we were in a situation where the game was on a knife edge and Simon Wolford comes out of a tackle and it was an injured shoulder. And he pulls yeah. at his shoulder and he's, he's screaming for pain. So Simon goes to the opposition wing, to the opposite wing. So the game's been played in this little half. Simon goes to the other wing and hides himself out there while the trainer's coming out to see what's wrong with Simon. Brent Sherwin looks at that, sees that happen instantly. And when the replays, he looked and he watched Simon go to that wing. Tackle three happens. Simon's still struggling with his shoulder in the wing. Brent Sherwin keeps a crossfield kink at that wing. Inside, like they had, I think they were about 50 away. Crossfield kicks it. And I was pretty sure it was Jamal Alisi. Was when he was playing the, no, 2006, it would have been Jamal. Sorry, it was, would have been Utile Hasm. I can't remember the winger, but I just remember that crossfield kick coming and hitting the winger, and then they ran on and scored a try because Simon Wolford was injured. And I thought, how smart is that? He identified the injury, followed him, followed and saw where he was, called for the ball and tackle three and kicked it. That one at ANZ Stadium? Yes, yes, and he kicked it. Yeah, so yeah, uh, 30 points to 12, dogs defeating the Raiders in that game. Matt Utah has him on Madrid on the, on the wings. Holds, uh, I think Holdsworth was the 5-8 for that game. Oh, there we go, but... I remember that point. It was pretty resolutely close, and Brent Sean saw that happen and took the punt, crossfield kick, backed himself, bang, try scored. I'm pretty sure now. I think I'm pretty sure it hasn't been regathered. It. Uh, and no, big... I didn't just I didn't just pull out the memory bank listeners. I did look that one up. Interesting side note: uh, Ben Roberts played centre. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I don't really remember him playing centre. <laughs> Alrighty, is there anything else that we'd like to add to this week's episode, Scott, or are we done for the week? Fingers crossed for a win. <laughs> the Bulldogs will win by eight points on Queen's birthday. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, mm. Catch us on the socials, Scotty, mm. at NRL Bulldogs fans on Twitter. At, uh, NRL, Bulldogs, at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans on Instagram. There you go. And uh, the email address, NRL. 
bulldogs.fames at gmail.com. We haven't actually looked at that for a while. Um, might have some interview requests in there, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, right. we might. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.